Bleacher Report, and it said Tom Herman denies, you know, blah, blah, blah. Both times, because they came like an hour apart, I thought it said Tom Herman dies, and I about <laughs> crapped myself. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And then I read it, I was like, oh. Okay, breaking news. Oh, we got it. Here we go. Wow. LeBron to the Lakers. Is that official? Official from Woj. Wow. Four years, $154 million. Wow. Wow. Hate to see it. You hate to see it. I kind of, I mean, those are how the tea leaves. Darn it. Come on. Tie should feel like a win. No. It does not feel like a win. Oh, man. I'll say that. I'll say that. They say say a tie is like kissing your sister, but for the Browns, it's like kissing your hot stepsister. (laughs) Now, here are your hosts of The Short Thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of The Shore Thing here on Talk Radio 1190. I'm Warren Shore here with Ryan Silva, as always. Thanks for tuning in. Hope everybody had a great holiday week. Uh, hope everybody's Thanksgiving was good, and everybody heads back to work tomorrow. The Sunday scaries aren't too bad right now. we got a big show planned for you today. We're going to finish off the show with some Tiger Phil talk. Uh, they had their match. Uh, we didn't get to preview that, but we had to be able to talk about what the match was. I watched it. Uh, Ryan was trying to watch it. Somehow still paywalled, but we'll we'll talk about our thoughts on that. We'll talk about obviously college football coming up and the Mavs in the third segment. That's gonna college football is gonna be a carryover from the end of the second segment. We're gonna obviously talk about the Cowboys win on Thanksgiving over the Redskins. But first, we want to start off with uh, Ryan. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good, man. Uh, first one, you know, as a married man. Uh, so then I was obligated to split time between family before I just kind of did it out of the kindness of my heart. Um, no, but uh, yeah, good. A lot of uh, could have been a lot better. Redskins maybe pulled out a win, but uh, we uh, kept it civil at uh, Jamie's house while we were there. She's got a family full of Cowboys fans, obviously, growing up in Dallas. But uh, other than that, yeah, good, pretty good. How about you, bud? It was good. Uh, I mean, I think it would just be a normal Thursday other than us just. Uh, uh, having dinner a little earlier. Look, a lot of football. Uh, it was just my mom, dad, and uh, I, my sister, was in Cleveland. So you know, we just had a nice usual Thanksgiving like usual. It was good. Yeah, got a little football in, flag football in on Friday. Yeah, it's still sore? Boy, I'm telling you, my legs are killing me still. I mean, and I work out on a regular basis. You know that. I play pickup hoops yeah. pretty regularly. But boy, Playing flag football, the start and stopping, I probably ran the equivalent of 100 sprints because uh, we were playing the full 100 yards, too. We are playing out of bounds to the outside hash as far as width, but we played the full hundy, uh, the full length of the field over at Plano Senior, and uh, let me tell you, boy, it's still hurting. Well, I've this was the first year in probably like eight or nine years I haven't played Thanksgiving football, uh, but yeah, the... Uh, it's real. Yeah, I understand. I understand that. Now uh, I know what NFLers go through. Just yeah. like it. <laughs> yes, but uh, so that's yeah. 
Look, it was. It's always fun. You said a couple guys got hurt. I feel like there's just a over under. It's like two and a half. There's yeah. over going to be like over two and a half people. Oh, who? How, how many people are getting hurt? Right. Yeah. Nothing catastrophic. Just a couple rolled ankles, a couple tight hammies. But so that was good. But I left with both ACLs and both Achilles, and that was my goal. So yeah, chalk it up as a dub. That's good. All right. When we cut during the show, we'll talk about the electric uh, night we had last night. Whew. It was a short thing night out, as you could say. The show going out along with Jamie, <laughs> and boy, it was electric to say the least so we'll get into that uh coming up here in probably about 20 minutes but first we want to start off with the cowboys win over the washington redskins on thanksgiving and they now move to six and five in a virtual dead heat uh in the in the nfc east they that i think the cowboys get credit for being leading the nfc east is what i saw on the on the stations today throwing up the playoff picture but look they're both one and one in the division i think it's NFC conference record as a tiebreaker is yeah. how they're ahead. Um, but they're in a dead heat at the top at six and five. And the Cowboys seems like what they've been doing the last couple of games, kind of lethargic in the first half. And then uh, with some help of the Redskins not tackling in the second half came to life and they ended up pulling out in the, or pulling away in the fourth quarter and they, and they got the win. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it, going into halftime, it, you really didn't know which way this game was going to go. Uh, Dallas up 10-7. Both teams really sh- kind of struggling with the uh, exception of the first drive for Dallas when they, they got the touchdown. Both teams were really kind of struggling moving the ball. Uh, but then uh, second half came out, and both teams started slinging it around, and uh, Zeke got loose a couple times. Amari Cooper obviously broke loose multiple times with that 90-yard bomb. Uh wasn't really a bomb. It was more just a catch and run after Quentin Dunbar couldn't wrap him up and fell down. So, both of them were just catch and runs. They yeah. just couldn't tackle either of them. Both of them on Quentin Dunbar, too. It was his first game back in a couple weeks uh, from being injured. And uh, he got exposed pretty bad. It was a tough one. Both defenses, you know, 31-23 game. I still feel like both defenses played pretty well. Colt McCoy, the three interceptions. I kind of knew that was going to happen because he'll take more chances down the field than Alex Smith would. Um, I, I said that on, on Wednesday's show. I said that last week, too, after Alex Smith went out with the injury. Um, a couple of those interceptions, uh, I want to say two of them, I th- he was pressing, and it, one of them, it, one of them for sure, he just it was like a, a jump ball, and um, you know it, an ill-advised throw, obviously because of the result. But I'm not even going results based; just you know the whole thing in general. The running game has been non-existent for the Redskins, and that's kind of what we had. We're not we. The Redskins had uh, kind of buttered their bread with uh, at the beginning of the season when they were winning some ball games. Yeah, and the Colt pick that I think really changed the game was the one with uh, when Demarcus Lawrence. He picked it off. Yeah, that one was just like a oh he, that that was the backbreaker I thought, yeah. and like the one in the first quarter I think when he was trying to throw like the wheel route or something down the side. All right, that wasn't the greatest pass, but right. it, it wasn't like a killer. That Demarcus Lawrence one to me was the big time killer. Um, but yeah, it just seems like like uh, going out to Amari Cooper, Dak just seems like you trust him a lot more than like any other receiver. They've had the last like two years. Like I don't think Dak really trusted as last year. Uh-huh. You could tell uh, he trusted Witten, but Witten could only do so much when he was a refrigerator, pretty much out there. Just find the first down or the yeah, goal line, that just was, sit down, just fall right down. Um, but he like he didn't really. Maybe he didn't get the rapport with Hearns to start the year or Gallup. But Gallup's still a rookie, so I guess yeah. I'm being a little harder on Gallup. But like 
any of these guys. It seems like the only one he has a rapport with is Beasley, and teams were bracketing him and doubling him. He did seem to get a nice little trust maybe in Tavon Austin, but then he got hurt. And now Amari Cooper's came in, and it's Dak really it seems like he does trust him. And and when Dak is throwing to Cooper, I mean, he knows he's going to be in the spot, and he's rifling it in there. Yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper has eight catches on nine targets. That's a fantastic day, and you don't see that a whole lot uh, from Dak Prescott's wide receivers just because, you know, Dak is obviously isn't the most accurate guy, but he's just putting it right on Amari over and over and over again. Um, so, I mean... Th- Criticize the move for the first round pick, but I mean, as of right now, it's paying out dividends for the Cowboys, and it's been, you know, it's obviously helped their passing game tremendously, and it's really propelled him in these last uh, few victories that he's been on the team for sure. And I think when the trade went when the trade went down, we weren't criticize criticizing that like Amari Cooper is a bad player, right? We were our biggest the price co- you paid. Our yeah was the first round pick. That was our biggest. Uh, concern or biggest question mark in the trade and we were always we both of us said that if you're getting Amari Cooper from like 2015 2016 it's a home run but is it still worth the first round pick especially with all the money you have to pay him and with him even performing even better as Jerry said he's making some cash then you got to pay Demarcus Lawrence Mm -hmm. so what's going to happen you're going to pay him then next year you're gonna ha- you're you got an extension for Dak looming in the off season. You're obviously gonna pick up Zeke's uh, fifth year option come next year. At this, t- I mean, that comes to a point, and you have all these guys on the offensive line that you have already given massive, massive deals to. Yeah, it just comes to a point where you're gonna run out of cap space. No, agreed. I actually was having this conversation uh, on Thursday that yeah, I mean, the Cowboys they're they're kind of enjoying. Um, some of the riches that you know, like uh, the Seahawks were enjoying before they had to pay Russell Wilson and everybody because they could just pay everybody on their defensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, not to that extent, but right now, like you said, they they paid their offensive line that that worked out for them. But coming up here in the next year or two, they're going to be strapped uh, against the cap. And who knows what this team's going to look like by then? Because I mean, you, they gave Alan Hearns a pretty nice check. Uh, Michael Gallup—he's obviously a rookie, so he probably—he's not going to be up for three or four years after this. Um, but I mean, you're big too, like you said, Zeke and Dak. Which um, Jerry already went on record by saying Dak is going to get extended. We are going to pay Dak. Yeah. And you're like you said, obviously you're not going to let Zeke just walk away for nothing. So they're going to have to pay him too. It's it's definitely going to be interesting what happens. I mean, you're they're probably going to have to let a guy like. Uh, um, uh, Lee, um, they're probably going to have to, yeah, they're Sean Lee. I always want to call him David Lee, and that's why I stuttered there because I was trying not to call him David Lee. Um, They're probably going to have to let a guy like Sean Lee walk away, and right now that looks like that's not a big issue because of the way Leighton Vanderish is playing, but you're probably going to have to pay Jalen Smith down the road too because he's playing well. He's, this is what, his second year? You got two years. The second to seventh round picks get four years. Get four years, right. Okay. first rounders get the fifth year. So this is year two. Year two out of four. So those guys you got. You got time. You got some time. But when still. the linemen will probably wear off or those contracts will wear off. Right. But, uh, yeah, you still got some time. No, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, team shapes out here in the next couple of years. But right now, I think they just need to keep rolling on this success and enjoy uh, what they have going. Yeah, I agree. Take advantage of it. Yeah, I agree. And we can take a look at the NFC East quickly coming back after the break. And that's what we'll do coming up next. And then we'll dive in to college football. We will talk about the most electric game of the weekend uh, that took place in Columbus. Oh, Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Jamie. Um, But we'll get into that coming up next here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. 
Thanks for taking the time. I got calls calling. Y'all shuck was falling. All right, we're back here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, to the show, got to get uh, the attention of the host since he uh, had his headphones off there. But we're back here on the short thing. Talk Radio 11 any Warren and Ryan. All right, quickly, uh, we'll talk uh, Cowboys, where they sit. Look, they sit in first place. Looking at the NFC East, don't really know what's still to make of the Redskins. Look, I think the Redskins have 8-8 eight and eight written over them, Ryan. I don't know if you agree or not. Uh, at this point, yeah. I mean, uh, looking at their remaining schedule, they still got to play the Eagles twice. The Eagles stink. Yeah, the Eagles are bad. Um, but leave it to the Redskins. They'll probably split that one. Um, they got the Giants one more time, and then they have the Jaguars. So, and the Jaguars stink. So, they do. I, I mean, I don't think nine and seven is out of the realm of possibility. No. Even ten and six, depending. Maybe they can sque- they can sweep the uh, the series with. Um, Philly. Philly. So, you know, but yeah, they're going to be sitting right around that 8-8, eight and 10-6 eight, and six, um, record, you know, somewhere in between there. So maybe 9-7. and seven. We'll call it 9-7. and seven. But you know what? The Cowboys are right on that path too, I think. Yeah, I obviously the Saints game, everyone's chalking that up as a loss. And when everyone chalks it up at a loss, things happen. I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to win, but everyone assumes that an outcome's going to happen. That doesn't happen. Um, and then the game that everyone thought was going to be a layup was going to be the Colts game yeah. at Indy. That is no layup right now. And the Giants are playing better. Even though they're 3-8, and eight, they've won two out of their last two. They had a tough loss today against the Eagles. And they play the Eagles, and the Eagles are without four DBs, and their defense is just an atrocity right now. They had Braxton Miller lining up at corner. The Eagles? Yeah. Real? I didn't even know Braxton Miller was in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. He, wow. He, he was with uh, Philly. And, oh. uh uh, yeah, they're definitely struggling. Then a guy who's never played cornerback in his life. So yeah, that's where the Eagles are at. Uh, look, I said last week I thought the Cowboys were in the position to take the division. I I don't I don't change off of that stance. I think this is still their division to win. Uh, just based on look, I feel like all teams are the same when you look at the Eagles, Redskins, and Cowboys. The Cowboys just are the healthiest out of all the. All those three teams, they they're they are the healthiest. Yeah. Um. So that's why I would lean with them unless they get some like catastrophic injury. I mean, won't. and they have they have the momentum right. They now. do. You they know are what I mean? playing that, well. The, the, the late season momentum. They are playing. Say well. what you will about yeah. it, but um, you know, that they're, they're they're rolling. And historically, they play well in December. They just played poorly in November to set that up, and now they're playing good in November. All right, we'll shift over to college football. Uh, all right, we'll start off with uh, we'll start off with the Aggie game. And uh, College Station, LSU, uh, <laughs> LSU, A and M. I have to go back and look at the score. I don't have it up here. I got it. Seventy-four, seventy-two. I was gonna say seventy-four, seventy-two. It was the most ridiculous college football game I've probably watched. First of all, it took five hours. They scored forty-three. It was forty-three to forty-one in overtime. Yeah. And so the funniest thing is we got to set the scene here where, where we were doing. We were at Scruffy Duffy's watching the game, Ryan, Jamie, and myself. And Ryan and I uh, had some units on LSU plus two. And a, I had plus two and a half. Ryan had plus three. I took two and a half because I thought the value was better. It was better. Yeah. And Jamie, uh, Ryan's wife, went to A&M. So we were trying to convolute a way where all three of us could be winners. 
And in what? Probably about six or seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. We had decided. Right, right, no, it was in the third quarter. Was it, it the was third early. quarter? It okay, was early. third quarter. Third quarter. We had come up with the only scenario that would work for all of us to win. With this game needed to go to triple overtime, <laughs> and A and M needed to get a two point conversion because then I would get the hook, Ryan would win, and obviously Jamie would be happy. We well, we went, it went even farther than that. We we're like LSU needs the ball yes, first. Yeah, yes. LSU has to get the ball first in the first overtime yes. because then they flip flop in the second overtime. In the third overtime, they get the touchdown, miss the two points. Yes, and then A uh, and M. We had it all broken. We down. had it all broken down, and the fact that it went to seven <laughs> overtimes. We didn't see seven in the book. I was shooting for ten. Uh, I wanted ten OTs. Oh yeah. Um, but it was hilarious. Uh. And again, look, A&M won the game. It was great. But I feel like LSU, I'm not coming off as like, oh, someone that hates the Aggies. I feel like they got robbed by the refs a couple of times. And I'm just like, the pass interference in the seventh overtime two-point conversion I thought was bad. Yeah, ticky-tacky. Very ticky-tacky. I thought they should have reviewed that Sternberger fumble in like the second overtime. Where he could have, he caught it and then got hit. They ruled it an incomplete pass. They didn't look at that. Um, the his knee was down. People, there's a lot going on, on the internet. This is this is college football at its finest. One <clears throat> fan base, the fan base that won the Aggies are like, oh no 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 no. The refs were not terrible. We LSU LSU is screaming from the top of the mountain that they got robbed. Right and. Uh, look, I think LSU has a case to say they got robbed, but I also think there were some things that, like, shout out to the a clock operator for keeping a second on the clock. Like, that guy should get a raise. Well, uh, we, I mean, during the game, he, we thought it was kind of a quick clock when they Yeah, but then I went back and rewatched it. He actually got it right. He, he slowed it down a little bit. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, so shout out to him. He, he, he did some work there, and it's just a insane game, and... Coach O was right. They the Aggies literally made one more play. Yeah, I, one more play than LSU, and LSU I thought made about five plays to win the game. It just happened that they got unlucky. Right. I mean, they, this was your stereotypical like by the book two heavyweights just standing in the middle of the ring, just throwing punches, trying to you know get that last knockout blow. It seemed like you know LSU would would stop A and M on their two point conversion, and then. They'd come back on the other side of the field, and and A and M would stop LSU, or vice versa, or they'd have to both settle for field goals. Like it was just wild how back and forth this yeah. truly was. Um, but like you said, A and M literally just made one more play. Um, I mean, some of A and M's, uh, not some of them. I mean, a lot of their playmakers were just that. They were yeah. making plays uh, over and over again. I mean, I, I kept talking about. We talked about Jay Sternberger. Dude's an animal. He's a Great tight end. Courtney Davis made uh, amazing catch after catch after catch. And then Kendrick Rogers had that game-saving touchdown where mm-hmm. he just kind of threw his hand up, batted the ball right back to himself, and fell down to, to send the uh, game into overtime. It was just it was wild all the way around. Yeah, it was nuts. And the funniest thing was watching the games in the overtime, it seemed like one guy, there would be just guys in space, like yeah. acres of space. They get a first down or they get nine yards, and then they would automatically on the second down play lose like four. Like they were never, they would never could put could put two possible or two positive plays back to back. 
Um, but look, that's a good win uh, for the Aggies. Shout out to Jimbo's nephew on the sidelines getting a fight after the game with this LSU guy. I saw that. So uh, that's obviously not a good look for that. There's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting reports on who started the fight. So well, we need to see a video to see who started. But the fact that it's Jimbo's nephew that is even funnier. Uh, I thought Jamie was gonna have a heart attack about six times watching the game and thought she was going to fight about eight people. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was waiting was to a, get to that part. She, there were some tech fans. And let's just say Jamie's Aggie skin is a little thin. And As she's are probably, most Aggies. And she's probably just seething right now listening <laughs> to this. But I think she would have to admit that. Uh, and she was ready to any time these Texas Tech fans said something bad, she would just look over at them and give them the death stare. And it was so funny. The line of the night. Well, I'll get to this real quick. The, so there's the, some other Aggies that no, were there. So They're getting funny. back, going back and forth. There was two groups of Tech fans that were just kind of there, and but there was one group specifically that was going back and forth uh, with this A and M, this other uh, Aggie, and they were just like you know your usual trash talk and. Um, the the Aggie fan goes, "How hard is it to get into tech? Everyone gets into tech." And then the other guy's response was, "How hard is it to get to A and M?" Well, then the second group of a, of uh, tech fans, one guy goes, "It's actually pretty hard to get to A and M." He was just shaking his head up and yeah. down. It was pretty funny. <laughs> we started dying laughing because he, I mean, he was right. He's like, "It's actually, it's it's pretty tough to get <laughs> yeah. to A and M." So yeah. <laughs> let's just go ahead and throw that away. But uh, yeah, uh, I we had to we had to pull Jamie back a couple times. Because uh, she was getting ready to swing on some people, but uh, always, yeah, always and, good fun. And they left. Uh, they left before the game even ended. Right. Uh, they they didn't have the endurance to stay with it. What was funny to me is you know we got there right at the beginning, uh, right in the middle of the first quarter, probably, and then slowly but surely, someone forgot to realize what time they yeah yeah you're, yeah <laughs> mixed up the times on there Eastern uh, time Eastern time. But then slowly but surely, because the game was on the big screen, everybody was locked in. Everybody was cheering for every score and every, oh, oh for drop passes. Yep. It was an electric environment. It was. And it wasn't even like an Aggie bar or whatever. Yeah, we got there, there were probably about 10 people in there. And then the crowd <laughs> that was going out was rolling in at nine when we were still uh, when we were still there. But, yeah, no, it was a fun uh, it was a fun night there watching the game. And, look, it was a very entertaining game. Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't say the cleanest game of points, but it was very very entertaining for sure. All right, we'll take a quick break here on the short thing on Talk Radio 11.9. we come back, we'll dive into those college football playoff scenarios and get into the real uh, meat and potatoes of the weekend. That was noon yes- or 11 a.m. yesterday in Columbus, Ohio. That's coming up next here on Talk Radio 11.90. All right, back here on the short thing. Warren and Ryan with you for the last half hour. Uh, here we're going to dive into this college football stuff, uh, the other games from the weekend, minus LSU A&M, and we're going to talk Phil and Tiger. Let's get to our picks. Uh, first, give an update on those. NFL, I'm 2-2 two, uh, two and two this week. Got the Packers plus 3.5 going on right now, so uh, at least I'm off the schneid this week. So right now, 28-28-3 uh, for the NFL. I, in college, won 8-3. Great week. So on the college season, now I'm 48, 39, and two. Uh, my mom is two and two on the week in NFL, and she's waiting. She's got the Packers plus three and a half tonight. And Ryan, a great week. I mean, comeback is on. I'm telling you, I, we're just building that momentum, baby. Uh, college this week, I had a 14 bagger, went 10, three, and one, uh, bringing my record to 44, 57, and two. NC State could have just covered, just covered the seven. 
your boy would have been looking at a bit of a better week, but hey, I'll take what I can get. Um, NFL this week, not as great. One, two, and one right now. I also have Green Bay uh, cooking tonight. Um, I made a, not, a last minute uh, audible at the line, took Cleveland plus three instead of Cincinnati. Glad I did that. Um, and uh, Jamie right now is sitting at four and one on the day. She lost that Pittsburgh game. My season total in the NFL is 29, 27, and 3 right now. And again, I still got uh, Green Bay cooking tonight, so hopefully they can bring in another win for your boy. Yeah, uh, shout out to Marius Randall. You got to go check out the video. Probably the most savage thing I've ever seen on a football field before. Give it, picking off a pass and giving it to your head coach that got fired two weeks ago. Uh, I mean, just incredible. I saw a funny tweet today. Somebody said... Um, I think the Browns are trying to get Hugh Jackson fired again. No, I don't think they want him fired. I think they want him on the Bengals because they play him in like three. They play him again in like four weeks or something. Right, but it but, was just it was, oh. uh, you know a little funny. Little it was funny. Joke. It is funny. Look, the people blowing up on that. I'm not just bringing it up because it's the Browns, but that was like the most savage thing I've ever seen. It, it was absolutely. And was. Jabril Pepper said he had blockers for a pick six, but. He, he did the swag thing there. He did the swag thing. We needed that pump up for whatever. Hilarious. All right. A lot of scenarios now. Look, college football playoff has been pretty pretty bland the last three or four weeks. No no real shakeup at the top. Well, we've got a shakeup at the top right now as Ohio State uh, hosted Michigan yesterday. And uh, am I seeing the score right? Is that 62 points for the Buckeyes? That is that – is, 62 for Ohio State, and it looks like Michigan has 39. Yeah, that's right. 62-39 for a Buckeye win as Urban Meyer goes to 7-0 and against Michigan. And this is now 14 wins out of 15 for Ohio State against Michigan. And the only time Michigan beat Ohio State was in 2011 when Luke Fickle was the interim coach. So under an acting head coach without the interim position, Michigan has not won since like 2000. Uh Tom Brady's last game. Yeah. No, Drew uh, Henson won yeah. in 2000. Okay. But I think they won in like 2000 and I don't know when they 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 won whatever. Did I thought Brady Hoke beat Ohio State a couple times? No. No, never did. Oh wow. Maybe he would have beat No, he beat him once. The one year he beat him was the fickle year. Oh, okay. Um, but no, he he his teams got absolutely slaughtered. Okay. Uh and Ohio State, look. They carved they carved up the Michigan defense running crossing routes. Michigan defense had the number one pass defense in the country. They were the number one defense in the country. The thing was, if you break down the passing offenses they placed, they averaged like 80th in the country. So they didn't really face any juggernaut passing offenses. And Ohio State had the number two offense in the country, and they put up points. The big thing about this game, though, was the Ohio State's defense. They showed up to play. Shout out Malik Harrison played incredible number 39. Uh, and they made, they look, it looks like it was getting shaky there at the end of the first half, but they made some plays and in the second half, it was really out of reach. And, and, uh, I'm not really trying to sound like cocky Ohio state fan when I say this, but I don't know how Harbaugh can recover. He obviously can recover by beating them next year, Mm -hmm. but this was, this was your, this was your chance. Literally everyone was on you to win this game. Yeah. And this was your chance. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree, uh, especially going back to your to your point about Ohio State's defense showing up. Because we, we've talked to I mean, you even said straight up, this Ohio State defense is bad. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. I mean, and they, they really did show up. Uh, Michigan was supposed to have one of the better defenses, in, you know, in the country. And 
like you said, Ohio State just absolutely torched them. This was this was the game that Harbaugh could have cemented. I don't know if cemented his legacy, but cemented that, hey, look, Michigan's for real. Michigan yeah. is, you know, they're running the Big Ten right now. Um, and they went out and just absolutely crapped the bed. I mean, they, it was a close game going into the half. And then coming out, Ohio State just absolutely torches Michigan for 17 in the third quarter alone. And that's what, yeah. I mean, that at that point, the game was pretty much over. You, the way the defense was playing for Ohio State, you could tell that uh, Shea Patterson really wasn't going to be able to get anything going. Uh, he was 20 of 34 for 187 yards. I mean, you're going to throw the ball, you're going to make 20 completions only have 187 yards. That's that's tough. You're averaging five and a half um, yards per per. I guess reception if you want to report per completed pass three touchdowns but Dwayne Haskins Dwayne Haskins looked pretty good incredible I mean 20 so let, let's let's go ahead and compare these Shea Patterson 20 of 34 for 187 yards Dwayne Haskins 20 of 31 for 396 yards and six touchdowns wild I mean, he just he looked great. The like you said, the crossing patterns for Ohio State, their wide receiver were just, were just running away from dudes. Um, uh, the run game still looked pretty good for Ohio State as well, and that was you know I don't know if, if what you think, but I think that's where Michigan probably had the upper hand was you know the rush defense against the running game for Ohio State, and that really wasn't a factor at all. Yeah, uh, Ohio. The big thing about Ohio State, I mentioned this on the show Wednesday, was uh, I said Michigan's. Secondary hadn't seen receivers like Ohio State's all season, and that showed up there. But the other thing I mentioned was Ohio State's offensive line hadn't seen a defensive line like Michigan's defensive line with Rashawn Gary, Chase uh, Winovich up front. Winovich, though, suffered like a upper body injury against Indiana, and he did not look himself. Like If you watch Michigan this year, you see number 15 with the with the – Blonde hair flowing out of the helmet. He is pressuring the quarterback on like almost every single play. And I think he made like one tackle and didn't have any pressures or he just didn't look himself. But I think the full credit to this is the Ohio State offensive line. I mean, they gave Haskins time. He was really never hurried. Haskins ran a couple times early on, especially the first play of the game. They run the read option and Haskins keeps it against nine yards. That set the tone. And look, I think the. The running game was adequate. Thirteen right. carries, ninety-six yards for Mike Weber. I'd say that's good. It was uh, like I I talked about this offer. I know this is you, but the problem with Ohio State's run game is for the most years with Barrett, he's almost been as good a runner as the running back. Mm-hmm. So they have to keep they have to keep him honest with the quarterback run and the, on the option. Now with Haskins, he's really not a runner. He's more of a pocket guy. So they don't they could just collapse on 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 Dobbins or or Weber who the running back is and uh and with Haskins running now that opened it up so yeah I think the offensive line for Ohio State pretty much won the game and Urban Meyer he's now 7 and 0 uh as an underdog in his career at Ohio State and look you give me the points like with her with Urban as an underdog, I'm taking them every single time especially at home at home too and they were 5 point underdog closing um, I I said on the show Wednesday that they were going to win outright. Obviously, I was just a homer mm-hmm. on that one. But like I was, I was actually hoping for like a close, classic Michigan Ohio State game. Well, we were talking last night and going into the half, we thought that was going to be it after the botched kickoff where it goes yeah. right right between the dude's bread basket, right between his arms, hits off his knee, and Michigan recovers it, and they end up scoring off of that turnover. Uh, so going in, and it looked like Ohio State might be running away with the game a little bit they there. They were. And then once that comes, it's like, oh, wow, Michigan's right back in it. It's We got ourselves another ball game. But again, coming out of the locker rooms in the second half, Ohio State quite literally ran away from Michigan. Well, and we got to say they scored a field goal after they got the touchdown 
when the guy went through the breadbasket. Yeah. Like Ohio State marched down and got points. Right. Should have got a touchdown if they don't do the Tate Martell package. But uh, they still got points, and that was like, okay, Michigan's defense is still not stopping them. Mm-hmm. But Shea Patterson, I saw this on Thursday. I think I said this to you or someone else, but he said this is just another game. Yeah. I'm not trying to, like, obviously there's a bunch of big rivalries. Like, obviously as someone who's been a part of the Egg Bowl at Mississippi State my first year, it's a big rivalry. But, like, comparing it, saying I've just been in another game, it's really not when literally every single buddy, every single person on your team is saying, no, this is just not another game, including your head coach. Uh, I probably, you should probably take that. Like, when your head coach is saying this is not another game, where we think about this game every single day for 365 days, like, you should probably keep that to yourself if you want. For sure. Uh, to do it. All right, so now this brings in some scenarios for the playoff. Oklahoma won a shootout against West Virginia. Texas won, so we have a Red River showdown uh, 2.0 in Arlington this Saturday, 11 a.m. What a terrible time for that game. Yeah. Um, and look... It's pretty much, I would say, the final playoff spot is between Oklahoma and Ohio State. But then, if Georgia wins, then I think it's Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Alabama. Uh, I think Alabama is locked in. You know what? I might even think Clemson is locked in. Yeah, I, They've I been so, so dominant, um, they might even be locked in. But the worst-case scenario for Oklahoma and Ohio State is if Georgia wins because then they're definitely getting in, and then Bama is probably is – obviously they're going to get in uh, as well. So the Texas-Oklahoma game will obviously preview this a little bit more deeper on Thursday's uh, Pick'em Show. But I do think people are forgetting that Texas was, like, dominating that game for three-and-a-half quarters, and then they kind of got complacent, and then they held on at the end. And – I feel like the Oklahoma defense is worse than it was when they played the first time around. I would agree. And the Texas defense is pretty solid. I feel like they always – Kansas and Lawrence always somehow plays them tough. I've yet to figure out the it's other than it's just being Texas. But I feel like Ellinger last week looked a little healthier. I know you would wish Bouchelle would play and not Ellinger. I think I'm kind of more on the Ellinger just because he's a little better runner than Bouchelle. He's adequate throwing. But, uh, uh, look, I think everyone, I think, is chalking this up as like an Oklahoma walk-in-the-park win just because of Kyler. But I think they're, I think Texas is, this is, this is, they're right in it, and they have a great chance to win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I definitely, I mean, I've been waving the Bouchelle flag all season. Ellinger's a good quarterback. He's a very fine quarterback. And obviously he led them to a victory uh, back in October. But I just like Bouchelle's big playability better, And with um, oh, uh, OU's offense. I mean, we saw this uh, last night against uh, West Virginia. Or was it last Friday. night or Friday? Friday night against West Virginia. Um, I mean, they can, they'll give up big play after big play after big play. And... You know, to be fair to Ellinger, it doesn't have to be the deep ball. I mean, it can be a short slant, and dude takes it and runs 80 yards away from Ohio's or OU's offense. Um, same thing, you know, hand the ball off. So, I mean, they are big play prone regardless of what the play is. I just like Bouchelle's arm a little bit better. I like his athleticism a little bit better, even though Ellinger is more of a running quarterback. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think this is... Uh, people that are riding off Texas, I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I really want to see as much madness as possible. I want to see Texas win. I want to see maybe Northwestern win. No offense there. That's I just want to see. I just want to see. Chaos. I just, Look, I love chaos. 
I just want mass chaos. I don't think Georgia's going to pull off the victory against Alabama. I think they have a. Ch- they Georgia's been playing some solid. Fo- they've been finding their stride offensively lately, and Alabama has shown they're prone to the big play these past couple. Yeah, Auburn played. The only plays pretty much Auburn scored were like trick plays, right? But they've shown that they're okay. They they could be they could be had. I. Uh, they could get some points put up on them. Yeah, so, I mean, and obviously with Washington State losing, that wipes them out. Uh, I just want to see mass chaos and, you know, kind of see what the what the committee does just to, because, you know, we haven't really ever been in a, in a situation like that where all the big favorites lose. Nobody, you know, the guys that have been leading their division or their conference the yeah. whole season lose at the end. And like in OU's um, instance, they'll have two losses. In Ohio State's instance, they'll have two losses. Same with Georgia. Um, so I, I'm just hoping for mass chaos. That's probably not going to happen, you know, but uh, a guy can dream. All right, quickly before we take our break here, going into this last weekend, uh, going into conference championship weekend, obviously Thursday on our Pick'em show, we will preview all the all the games and do our picks for those uh, as we've been doing the whole week. But going into this last weekend, say Oklahoma wins and Ohio State wins, and obviously Alabama, Clemson win. Uh, who between Ohio State, it would be pretty much between Ohio State and Oklahoma for that fourth spot. Who right now do you think would get that edge? I think OU because they'd avenge, avenge their loss from previously this year. Do you think they... Okay, is your answer of will different than your answer of should get it? Yeah. So you would think Ohio you you think Ohio State should get in over Oklahoma? I do, but I think if OU wins um, for avenging that loss, they'll get more brownie points, and it's a tougher opponent in the conference championship. Oh yeah, I agree on that. So, uh, yeah, I I I said this today. I think OU gets in if they win. But I agree with you. I think Ohio State should get in because, one, they have the better win against Michigan. They have a second better win against Penn State when they beat Penn State on the road. And still, overall, Penn State's 13th. Texas is going to be around 15th. So still that that win is better. They have more quality wins than Oklahoma. And right now, I think Ohio State's defense, albeit not great, they have shown that they're able of playing competent when Oklahoma's defense has shown that they are unable to play competent football at all, yeah. their defense is defense is not competent. Right, I would I would I would wholeheartedly agree. Like I said, I think Ohio State should get in, but if OU wins, they're probably going to get in. Because I mean, even looking at their out of conference schedule, OU they really haven't beat anybody. They had no non conference game. That was UCLA. They have one common opponent. Both teams have one common opponent. That's TCU, and they both beat TCU. Yeah. So all right, we get back here, come back here on the shore thing. We are going to talk. Uh, some Tiger and Phil, what that match was on Thursday. And uh, uh, right after the break, we'll get Phil Tiger the last about seven or eight minutes. I want to talk about the coaching carousel in college quickly because this is a great time of year, the college f- football coaching carousel. That coming up here on The Short Thing on Talk Radio, 1190. All right, final segment here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. Warren and Ryan here with you. Listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes and the iHeartRadio podcast app. Subscribe, rate, and review. It's the short thing. We have our special Thursday pick'em show, and then follow us on Twitter at the short thing. That's S C H O R R. All right, coaching carousel. Uh, the Talk Radio 1190. You hear them play all their games here. We're the official voice for. The Texas Tech Red Raiders, they are making a coaching change. They have let Cliff Kingsbury go after he lost five games in a row 
After look, he got a tough thing with Alex Poman having a collapse lung twice. Twice. I mean, he was he found something with that kid, and he kind of got a I don't want to say a raw deal. Obviously, you would think a guy like Cliff could be able to coach up the other quarterbacks or whatever, but he kind of got he got he. That injury really killed him because he was really click. He had things clicking after that TCU win, um, so he's out. I think a great spot for him would be obviously an NFL head uh, uh, offensive coordinator position, or I think the best one would be the uh, LSU head offensive coordinator position with Coach O. I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah, we were talking yesterday uh, about this whole Kingsbury thing after it came out, and we were both right on it. I think he should go to the NFL. I mean, we see all these high-powered offenses, uh, you know, like Sean McVay, for example, these younger cats going in there and just doing some innovative stuff. Um, uh, One thing I kind of jokingly said was, I think he needs to go to Atlanta. Go be the offensive yeah. coordinator there. I mean, we saw what they did with Kyle Shanahan. He's another guy. He's kind of has these innovative, high-flying offenses. And Sark doesn't know what to do with the weapons that he has there. I think Atlanta would be a great job for uh, for Kingsbury to land. Um, but, I mean, this guy's not going to be out of a job for a while. I, I did have this question, though. though. Do you think the way he handled the Baker Mayfield situation um, – kind of led to this or do you think it was all this season and two with the success now 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 this might be going out of pocket a little bit but the success of Patrick Mahomes in the NFL it's like why didn't we win more with this guy no I don't think so because someone did a thread on Twitter at the beginning of the season on this and I read it I wish I could go back and find it all of the injuries Cliff has had yeah he's ran into bad like because quarterbacks been injured like Mahomes had the shoulder injury yeah Bowman this year Baker got hurt and then got beat out when he was hurt and all these quarterbacks that they had would get hurt, and another guy would come in, and like he never had a full season of uh, one healthy quarterback. Like there was always some guy hurt, and yeah, you would expect them to play to coach him up. But I feel like he kind of got unlucky with all his quarterback injuries, and he was never able to fit a defense. I feel like this defense this year was his best he had. You just could never get like that eight wins or that nine those nine wins because the quarterback was getting injured. But yeah, I think the Baker situation kind of hurt him. A little bit, but look, I think that takes him out of going to Cleveland for the offensive coordinator. I would love to see him at LSU. Uh, just Coach O, come on, do it. He would drive Saban crazy. Kingsbury would. And, and, I and look, I mean, and Saban, speaking of, he's made the transition to, you know, we going back to with Lane he Kiffin. Knows. Going back to Lane Kiffin where he's, you know, you're not just going to line up in I formation and pound the ball 40 yes. times anymore. You need some high-flying offense. Um, losing five straight, though, after starting five and two, wow, that really tough. hurts, obviously. Um, I mean, lost some close ones. Oklahoma 51-46. Obviously lost a close one to Texas on a last-minute play or last-second play. Um, I think losing to Ole Miss kind of hurts at the very, yeah, you know, jump of the season. But, uh, you know, that, that, that sucks. But like you said, I like Cliff Kingsbury. He's not going to be out of a job for a while. Dude does wild stuff uh i wouldn't even be surprised if maybe we saw him in new england if josh mcdaniels decides to leave maybe the hot name though for tech quickly because i want to get to tiger phil here uh is holgerson dana, dana? holgerson why would yeah. he leave west virginia well because they said they've ne- he's never been really fully embraced oh. in uh in morgantown and he's got some ties to texas tech so that's the hot name right now is uh holgerson do you want to get to the hot name for north carolina real quick yeah mac brown wild tom luganville said lock it in He'd be stunned if Matt Brown was the next coach at North Carolina, which is why would Matt Brown coach? I think he needs to be an AD somewhere. Dude is a politician. Just stay on TV. Yeah. I mean, he's making good money there. I guarantee you. Yeah, and you work one day a week. I don't get that. 
Uh, all right, we'll continue to follow the coaching carousel situation. Uh, but at the top of the coaching carousel is obviously the Texas State situation. <laughs> we could do an hour on the Texas State and what their disastrous athletic program is doing by. We uh, might have to do a post show for uh, that. I mean, we might need to bring Ish on and do a special a special Texas State breakdown because, I mean, we've got five minutes left in the show. We need about 50. <laughs> with, between the stuff that's coming out with reporters on there, it is. Tune in next week for the Texas State special. We might, have, we might bring Ish on next week to talk about the Texas State stuff. It is. I mean, they're not paying buyouts. They're firing the coach. Players want to fight the AD when they find out the coach is getting fired. The AD said he loved the players. And the players are like, all right, you love us. What's my name? Five players did that, and he couldn't name off any of them. I mean, just absolutely lunacy. Uh, so, I mean, the Texas State, the San Marcos, it's spicy. It is spicy, and the athletic department is ice cold like that San Marcos River. Uh, Spicier than a Fuego taco. Uh, yes. Shout out. Or Lolita's taco. All right. Quickly, Tiger Phil will wrap up with that. Phil won in like the 22nd hole, some garbage tip-off hole. Uh, that's really not the point. I don't really care who won. Uh, one, look, they had a paywall issue. They took the paywall off because Bleacher Report Live had an issue uh, with us. So they're giving all refunds. So that was a disaster. The golf they played was, a, they could not make a putt. They were playing terribly. There are a couple of good shots here and there. Tiger had a nice chip in to make it to even. But the first fairway, I was worried that the conversations were going to be forced and contrived because they knew they were mic'd up. Tiger just gets in his zone and that's that. And that was kind of it. I thought they had some entertaining, like, uh, trash talk and stuff like that. Uh, I felt like they needed Charles Barkley on the course walking with them to, like, just talk to smack and uh, and uh, push the needle with them. They had way too many voices. Peter Jacobson was terrible. <laughs> uh, but I will say this. I think this could work. They just need to do more side betting. The PGA Tour, it came out. They only limited them. They told them you can only do, like, four side bets. What's the whole point? Like, the PGA Tour literally ruins every single thing that is good with golf. Like, this was great. This was something the tour is not involved in. And you come in because there's gambling money and you have this, like, just garbage. Just garbage. I mean, this was literally a prize fight. You know what I mean? That's that's the whole reason they were out here is, you know, they were like, all right, let's put up $9 million, you know, winner take all, whatever it was. Um, like you said, I didn't get to watch. I tried to, I downloaded Bleacher Report live. I tried to uh, log in, but every time I, I tried to watch it, it would still charge me the $20. So I don't know why, what the issue was there. Um, I was following a little bit closely on my phone. I saw that uh, Phil was leading most of the way and then Tiger had a pretty nice chip in to that tie was it. nice. Yeah. That's well, all I got. But no, I just, <laughs> look, I feel like this could work going forward, but you need another match on the course too. You need like a wolf game with like four or five guys going at it uh, or maybe do like a team thing and you need more side betting. Like the point was, hey, Phil's in a bunker. He needs to get up and down to tie the hole for par with with uh, Tiger. How about Tiger give him like five to one odds that he can't hole it out or so? Like that is what these guys do when they play on the weekends. Right. And that's what you could do. That's what guys do at the country clubs and the tour just eliminated like that. And then when it got down the stretch and they're going to par threes, they're totally forgetting about to do the side betting because they're so focused on beating each other. Mm-hmm. It would just, it just, they couldn't do it. And they would just forget about it. 
Yeah, I saw a tweet uh, from Darren Rovell, which he has mostly misses and hits, but he said he thought somebody needed to be on the course walking with them to kind of direct the conversation. I don't know about if you thought that would have helped, you know, somebody kind of, you know. Yeah, I guess they could have had it, but the thing was they were supposed to just be talking amongst themselves, like right. just normal golf small talk. And, yeah, sometimes that's not great, but – uh, look, Tiger's such a very closed person mm. when he's got a camera on him. And this was maybe a way for him to open up, but it was still tough. Um, you think they do this again? or do, Yeah, do I, oh, I think they do it again. You for think sure. Phil and Tiger do it, or do you think they get out like uh, Jordan and Ricky Fowler or I something? I think Phil and Tiger do it because obviously those guys are going to pull the names. Yeah. But then they'll get some other guys. Uh, in it as well, I feel like. Maybe a team thing or another match out there. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in here on The Shore Thing. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday, and we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, Remember, subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes. Talk to you guys next week.